Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. I recently visited a friend who was having a shower installed in her first level half bath. She said she figured it's a good move for aging in place when she might need a single story house. That got us talking about what to do when, hmm, if family aren't available with whom to live or even serve as care providers. By the way, you can listen to my previous episode on the emotions of caregiving. Or if we can't afford to invest in a nursing home or long-term care facility. I'm looking at my basement level, now thinking about making it into an apartment for both a rental and perhaps down the road for a living care provider. At our ages, over 60, we've probably all downsized, or at least we're thinking about it. Actually, I have downsized several times until I recently decided to buy again and then found myself having to upsize. (laughs) I kept running into things in secondhand shops that I'd already once owned myself. The National Association of Home Builders, NAHB, if you really love acronyms, which I don't, so um, the, uh, that association points out that boomers, of which I am one, and who are 77 million strong and make up 28% of the U.S. population, well, they say that boomers are quickly catching on to this trend of aging in place. The economics of making aging in place modifications are a no-brainer. Moving to a typical assisted living facility can cost up to $60,000 a year. The cost to widen the bathroom door, put in safety bars, and add a roll-in sh- roll shower would typically cost between eight, uh, between six and eight thousand dollars. But doing so is a one-time expense and not a yearly drain on your finances. And furthermore, medically necessary changes such as widening the doorways or creating a roll-in shower are tax deductible if backed up by a letter from your doctor. The NAHB has a certified aging in place specialist training program for construction and design professionals. It's taught in collaboration with ARP, so you might want to look for such a certification in a contractor who can advise you. You can also find an aging in place checklist on the NAH website, nahb.org. Since moving can be emotionally, physically, and financially taxing, the idea of aging in place sounds very attractive. You can remain in familiar surroundings, both inside your home and within your greater community. However, the Aging Issues website, nextavenue.org, and it's a pretty interesting website, has an article by Ralph Moroz, M-R-O-Z, from his book, The Senior Year's Master Plan on the possible disadvantages to aging in place. The author says, there could be an emergency. Your aging in place plan may be going swimmingly. You've made the appropriate home modifications, you're getting the help that you need, and you're doing fine. Then something happens. There's a tendency for your home to decline as you age in it. Or maybe you have a stroke. Maybe you have a debilitating fall, maybe an accident, maybe a sudden onset illness. 
Something occurs suddenly that means you need a significantly higher level of care. Now, right now, you need a different living arrangement, and because of the event, you haven't got the time, the energy, or perhaps the competence to manage the transition yourself, and I would add here the uh, financial capability. So Morose says, now you're at the mercy of whatever help family members may be able to provide. That help may not be much, given your distance from them or your relationship with them. Some may be too old or infirm themselves to help. So Morose continues, your house is also aging in place. You'll ignore needed repairs or won't have the money for them. If you plan to age in your home, you'll likely need modifications to accommodate or compensate for the inevitable physical limitations you'll accumulate. Everyone knows about installing shower grab bars and entrance ramps and eliminating slip and fall hazards. But less obvious things include installing lever-style doorknobs and more and brighter lighting. An experienced advisor will suggest useful and often necessary modifications. Another point he makes, you may be dependent on your spouse or partner. If you're aging in place as a couple, you may depend on one of you to be more competent in a given area. One person may be good with repairs and cooking, the other with financial and medical issues. But when one half of an aging couple dies or declines significantly, the affairs they handled must be able to be picked up by the remaining partner. If you have a spouse or partner, they may need basic nursing skills. Medical issues tend to increase as we age, as we all know. So at some point, you might need to assist with changing dressings, giving medications, perhaps injections, inserting suppositories, helping your partner with bathroom tasks, and so forth. You can get instruction and coaching on how to perform tasks from your medical providers, but you have to be willing to do them. Another point Morose makes, you may decline mentally. Mental and cognitive decline as we age is inevitable, although it will affect some severely and some not as much. We all have our fingers crossed, right? If you live alone, this kind of decline could become dangerous or unhealthy. You might not remember to take your meds or eat well. You might ignore problems with wiring or the gas line. Morose also says that fire hazards can increase. Older people are more likely than younger ones to forget to maintain or replace their fire, smoke, and CO2 detectors. Because older people get colder more easily, they are big users of portable heaters, which have well-known fire hazards. Hoarding is perhaps the biggest fire hazard older people face. As you age, you can lose the physical, mental, and emotional energy necessary to get rid of stuff you don't need. Now, a disclaimer here from me, I am 75. I right now don't face any of these immediate needs. However, Morose says that people in their 60s need to, quote, assess the probability of needing to make a residence change in the next five years. You might want to explore housing options in the area where you'd like to live, or you could either make aging in place modifications to your home or research the kinds of in-home assistance available in your area. But, he says, from age 65 or so, have a plan, unquote. 
So these potential disadvantages aside, there are, and increasingly so, innovative ways to help the vast majority of boomers age in place. And here are some of them. There is the technology model. For example, the mission of Full Circle America, based in Damariscotta, Maine, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is to, quote, support elders living in the comfort of their own homes, living their lives to the fullest, using technology, social networking, and life management, unquote. So the key words here are technology and management. Included with the package of services Full Circle offers are video consults combined with Medicare remote patient monitoring. There is an acronym there, of course, which is RPM. Paired with Medicare's chronic care management, CCM, uh, a chronic care team management approach. They also have a platform for storing and sharing, if desired, medical information, leave messages, and view monitoring cameras with permission only. Additionally, they offer online support groups, dementia prevention webinars, monthly calls from the care team, and medication reminders. In short, it's virtual assisted living. The program costs from $100 to $400 per month, depending on the level of monitoring needed, plus a startup expense of $500 for the equipment. The telemedicine service costs an additional $200 more per month. Now, these expenses we recognize can be daunting for someone on a fixed and lower income, but it's still a lot less than an assisted living facility or nursing home where you or your loved one might not want to be. Then there is the village model that is increasingly gaining traction. There is a network called the Village to Village Network, and it describes villages with a capital V as, quote, consumer-driven, grassroots community-based organizations formed through a cadre of caring neighbors who want to change the paradigm of aging. Local villages become the foundation for connecting members to a full range of support services to help with non-medical household tasks, services, programs, and transportation. Villages promote staying active by coordinating recreational, social, educational, and cultural programs. Now, some of, some of these villages come with housing, and some are just um, a service-based community uh, where you live in your own existing home. For example, Washington, D.C.'s Capitol Hill Village um, is uh, designed to help seniors stay in their urban homes. There's an annual fee of $530 for individuals, $800 per household, to tap into the services provided by the village with financial assistance programs for those who qualify. The village currently serves more than 265 individual and household members. And there are now similar programs in many areas. And if you want to find out where uh, one might be, either close to you or where you might want to live, um, or how to start a village where you live, go to vtvvillage2villagenetwork.org. 
So there are many options to going to a nursing home or long-term care facility. Here's another one. There's the intergenerational family model of Hope Meadows in Rontoul, Illinois, the first of its kind neighborhood. It's established on a defunct military base, and it provides community support to adoptive and fostering families, including grandparent-led families. So even if you're looking to be a, uh, if whether you're a step or, an, or a biological grandparent and you lead that family, or you're looking to adopt or to foster as a grandparent, there are options for you. There are also uh, co-living and co-housing communities. Now, here are the differences. In co-housing, each, individ- each individual has their own full residence but shares communal areas such as gardens, laundries, and gathering spaces. And often people get together for like one meal a week. With co-living, there is more sharing of spaces. Each person has their own bedroom and maybe a bathroom, but shares all other areas of the residence, kitchen, dining room, workspaces, and so forth. Co-housing is a lot more expensive than co-living, but a lot less private. The point is there are options, but more are needed. By 2030, one in five Americans will be over the age of 65. And there's little doubt that policies and design strategies are needed now to ensure safe, accessible, and affordable housing for seniors. Working with Stanford University's Center on Longevity, former HUD Secretary and San Antonio Mayor Henry Cisneros emphasizes the need for community change. He says, quote, Today we do not have enough affordable, appropriate housing and services to meet the needs of a population that includes significant numbers of very old Americans. Of course, that's not us, right? All right, going back to... Um, Secretary Cisneros. Challenges will be particularly pressing for the vulnerable oldest old, those who can no longer work, whose savings are depleted, who are in poor health and who need services that are unavailable. Among the oldest old, the percentage of the population residing in skilled nursing facilities is declining. The desire to age in the home of one's choice actually increases with age. There are indeed housing movements that address this need. Um, Two of them uh, I'm going to talk about. One is called New Urbanism and it focuses on human-scaled urban design that's based on how cities and towns were built before, how they'd been built for the last several centuries. Walkable blocks and streets housing and shopping in close proximity, and accessible public spaces. And those of us who grew up, uh, spent our childhood in urban areas, know about this kind of model. Another similar movement, Smart Growth America, empowers communities through technical assistance, advocacy, and thought leadership to create livable places, healthy people, and shared prosperity. And of course, of course, I'm quoting from their website. I would not use the terms uh, thought leadership and shared prosperity. 
Adherence work with elected officials at all levels, real estate developers, chambers of commerce, transportation, and urban planning professionals, and residents to improve everyday life for people across the country through better development. That's a quote from Smart Growth America's website. Okay, returning to the idea of aging in place, it's really all about how we connect to our abode, isn't it? Now, aging in place probably wasn't what Emily Dickinson had in mind in her poem, The Props Assist the House. But I think it does speak well to why we want to stay in our homes. The props assist the house until the house is built and then the props withdraw and adequate erect the house support itself and cease to recollect the auger and the carpenter. Just such a retrospect hath the perfected life, a past of plank and nail and slowness, then the scaffolds drop, affirming it a soul. In case you're wondering, Dickinson uses the word auger, A-U-G-U-R, which could be a play on words, meaning both an ancient Roman prophet and spelled differently, a drilling tool. Also, her grammar is a little strange, but then it is Emily Dickinson. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.